Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. And welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding podcast, where I'm here to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. All right, guys. So we have a fantastic show for you today. We are going to be talking about finances for your nonprofit. Yep, we're going to be actually getting into it with Ansley Fender. So Ansley Fender is a nonprofit financial consultant and bookkeeper and really focuses on nonprofits, obviously. (laughs) So it's perfect for her to be on the show as she is going to be talking about QuickBooks for nonprofits. Um, She's going to talk about funder recipient partnerships. She's also going to be talking about who the internal person should be to enter transactions, who the external person should be for monthly reconciliations, cash flow planning, um, and really looking at, you know, the three main things in your organization, internal, treasurer, and auditor. So we're going to spend some time there, but don't worry if that's already starting to freak you out or stress you out. She really talks about how to do this in a very straightforward manner. Um, We're also going to be talking about filing 990s. I get a lot of questions about that. Um, So it's really, really good. Um, She's going to be talking about administration, program, operations, and fundraising. So how that all connects to how you're managing your money on the, you know, the bookkeeper side. So Man, I've been wanting to get someone in the bookkeeping space for so long on the podcast. Um, I get a lot of questions about it, so I'm really glad that Ansley reached out to me. You're going to love this episode. Before I introduce Ansley, I just also want to give a word from our sponsor, Grant Writing and Funding, since we are fully self-funding the podcast, which is a top podcast in uh, the entire world for Grant Writing and Funding. I also wanted to give a shout out to Charger Girl 22 who left a review on our podcast, and she said, it's helpful and easy to follow, five stars. As a female small business owner, I've been researching more about grant writing and found Holly's episode on seven tips to write a grant proposal. Holly breaks down each step, giving her listener a roadmap to take actual action, which will result in writing a successful grant. Dog-earing this one to reference back. Thank you so much, Charger Girl 22 for leaving that amazing review. Um, we love to read all of our reviews, and we highly encourage you, if you are a listener of the podcast, please do click over on iTunes and leave a review of the podcast and a rating. It's really helpful so we can get some feedback and also just to see what you how it's um, helping you. So we really love that. And I know many of you guys are ready for our next six-week grant writing training session. So it's been a while since we've had one, and I've been getting a lot of people asking about it. And that is starting in March 2022. So we are going to open the doors next week. So do check out grantwritingandfunding.com as you are going to want to get in and get one of the secured slots for the six-week grant writing 
uh, training. And the six week live grant writing is so good because we actually meet on Zoom every single week and develop a master grant application. So this is so good as you will get all of the resources and tools and templates. Let's talk about logic models and budget and budget narratives and so, so many things. Um, and also a master grant application. So every single week for six weeks, you will come to the Zoom and you also have some homework to do. So you can bring that in and get feedback on your grant writing. And no worries if you've never written a grant before, if you're new to it, or if you're seasoned, I have people coming back just to refresh their grant writing skills and to gain more confidence. So you will get all of that. You will walk away with a developed master grant application that you can pull from again and again on future grants. And even if you're working on a grant right now, because hello, it's grant writing season, you can even bring that in and get feedback on it. This usually starts at $1,500 for me to review grants, but this is included during the six weeks. It is such a great, great, fantastic deal. You are definitely going to want to get in on the six week live grant writing training um, and get all of the feedback that you need to succeed as a grant writer and to grow confidence. So definitely um, be watching, stay tuned um, and subscribe so you can get all the information when that is announced next week. And we will be starting in March. So you will want to get your slot. We do have limited slots available in that session. Another thing we have going on at Grant Writing and Funding, so many good things going on, um, but you will definitely want to join our Hub Haven, which is completely free. We have a bunch of free resources and we also offer different trainings. All right, so let's get back to Ansley today. I'm really excited about this podcast episode because we're going to be talking about some things that I've been wanting to talk about for quite some time. So let's get into fiscal management for your nonprofit. So anyways, welcome, Ansley, to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast Show. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And you're calling all the way in from Indiana, right? Yes, yes. Awesome. Awesome. And it looks like it might be a little cold there. You got a little pop up. We're actually recording this December. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. It's yeah. Global warming is, is weird. It's like 40, no, like 60 today, but it was like 20 yesterday. So I don't know on any given day what I'm, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. cold today though. Yeah. yeah. So fun fact, I'm actually originally from Michigan. So I get those 40, 20, 60, 80, 20 days. <laughs> back and forth maybe all in one day <laughs> it's like wow. yeah oh for sure everyone around here is like if you don't like the weather wait 10 minutes because yeah. it, it, it'll be different okay. <laughs> yeah. so that's so great so all the way one of my midwestern ladies so um yeah it's great to have you on the podcast and really looking at once again um as i mentioned you know i get so many questions about like books and everything and but before we get there I kind of want to introduce your story as I love to do with my guests to kind of lay the groundwork and you know what got you started like here you are you're managing these different softwares you're like yeah in the green room before this started you're like we just launched this for universities we launched this for that and I was like holy smokes but how did you get started like even the interest within the nonprofit world yeah, uh, it's a great question. So it started actually uh, like in childhood. Um, I was a musician and I did ballet for a while. I was just like really into the arts. And so I sort of grew up in that nonprofit environment um, and just got used to the whole, like, you're going to be participating in a fundraiser and we're always cash poor and we never have enough people. So, you know, volunteers and like that whole environment. And so I actually, um, 
I went to, to college for, for music. I was a classical musician and got injured uh, my sophomore year and was like, well, I don't really know what to do with my life now. Um, and I literally had like winter break to pick a new major. And I was like, well, they have an arts management program that's like basically nonprofit management. Management is probably useful in life. So sure, that sounds reasonable. Um, that's literally as much thought as went into my future. Um, so I completed that degree and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and then um, started a master's in public finance. And I, I had my first child in, in graduate school. And so I, I didn't finish that degree, um, but I had this, you know, like finance background um, and education and then this nonprofit background. And I was like, I'm sure I can do something with this. Yeah. And I just started talking to nonprofits in my town um, because I was fairly well connected to them and found out that they really had this, this shortage of like financial consulting help and bookkeeping help. Um, and that, you know, the CPAs that they were dealing with were like very used to for-profit accounting. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just like a square peg round hole problem. And so it really quickly spun up into a full-time business inside of like two years. Um, and then as I did that more and more, that brought me face to face with a lot of grant management. And one client in particular was managing about $4 million in federal grants. And it was an absolute nightmare. I mean, they had like, I don't know, like 30 grants total. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of them were federal and it was just, it was so hard to manage. And I frankly got sick of dealing with spreadsheets. And so I was like, there's got to be some software out there that does this. And at the time there really wasn't. Yeah. Um, and so I just decided to build one um, that would basically be me at scale. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Sometimes it's like, yep, I need to innovate. I need to find the solution. So I love that, that kind of spirit behind it. And let's just, cause I know everyone's in the background going, but wait, there's QuickBooks. What about QuickBooks for nonprofits, Ansley? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, QuickBooks. Me and QuickBooks. We have a love-hate relationship. Yeah. So I spent a ton of time um, for a couple of years actually trying to manhandle QuickBooks into doing grant management. And there's a lot of different ways. Um, some people build it into the chart of accounts, which is like your income, expense, asset, liability, and equity accounts, mm -hmm. um, which I could nerd out on forever. Um, but I won't because <laughs> it's boring. Um, and then, you know, other people are like, well, you can use classes or projects or tags. And the thing is like, you're trying to fix a problem with a half-baked solution. Like mm -hmm. it is it is very clear that QuickBooks did not have grant management in mind when they built those things. It's more like job costing for for-profit companies that are like construction and things like that. And it just, you end up either making your accountant happy or making yourself happy or making your grant funders happy, but not all three. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not like, there's no good way to pick who to make happy. And so after doing that for a while, it got to a point where I was like, this is just not functional. Something ends up suffering or this isn't scalable. Once you add in more funding, you're reinventing the wheel every couple of years. So your books are always just in a different place. It's so confusing. And so that's really when I got to the point where I was like, okay, we need accounting software and we need grant management software and we can make them communicate because there's data that needs to come from the accounting software into the grant management software. But the other thing is sometimes grant management doesn't follow accounting rules. Yes. Like sometimes I need to split a transaction differently yeah. that should go into the same income account. But I really want to look at it as two different buckets of money. Yeah. You can't do that in accounting software. And so doing that allows you to like really 
dive deep into like the nitty gritty of the grants without corrupting the quality of your books. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's so good because yeah, when I look at, you know, QuickBooks or uh, nonprofits and there always becomes a time, like you, you're saying that it becomes an issue. <laughs> so when you have grants and, and like you, I was at a nonprofit and we were managing, um, probably about 15 different grants, a lot of federal grants, right? So, and it was, it was so confusing because it's like, well, this one's on this federal or this fiscal year. And then we have a foundation grant on this fiscal year. And then this one came in on this fiscal year. So it was like this federal foundation mix of fiscal years. And then when duration start and stop and all of that, it was like, oh, we got this one in on July. And when this one started in, you know, October. So it was just like so confusing where everything was. And especially if you're trying to split monies to across grants to pay one person. <laughs> oh, that yeah. Payroll is the other thing. Like mm -hmm. I, I had one client where they were using classes and subclasses. So <laughs> the grants were, were classes. And then the budget line items under the grant were subclasses. And when they needed to do reports for their board, I would literally have to export a profit and loss by class. And it was quite literally a hundred columns wide. And I would have to manually go in and collapse the columns. And like, it was unreadable until you collapsed everything, but you had to because of what you just said, some things were on a previous fiscal year. And so, I mean, it's just an absolute, like, what is this? This is not a solution. This is like literally making the problem worse, but in a different way. And so, yeah, if, if you can just pull that data into a separate system and then run a report with your own dates, who cares what your fiscal year is? Because this yeah. is an accounting software. Yeah. So yeah, that there was so much freedom once that data was pulled out and could be manipulated separately. You know, that that's really a good point too, because, and I, I think what you're saying too is, you know, this person managed it like this, this person managed it like that because it's not set up to manage grants, right? The accounting is not set up that way. So everybody has their own interpretation. There's not like a set standard rule of, okay, this is how you manage grants in, in, in QuickBooks because there's not. Like, so everyone's gonna have their own interpretation and everyone's brains work so differently that it could make sense to that bookkeeper, but not to the board. <laughs> or like, right. Right. And then, then you have like, we're mostly community foundation funded, but we just got our first federal grant and that threw our entire system out the window. Yeah. And like, you can't, so like, I've talked to people that are like, I'm starting a nonprofit and I'm like, okay, but where are you trying to go? Like, do you want to get federal funding? Do you want to get any grant funding? Like, okay, project yourself 15 years into the future. What are you doing? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, <laughs> you gotta just like, gotta know. Because we have to set it up totally differently. <laughs> and you know, they shouldn't have to predict those things. Like right. no one predicted COVID, but right. there's so many places that are getting federal grants now that would have never dreamed of getting federal funding because it's so competitive unless you're in a public health crisis and then it, there's like money flowing everywhere. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really like, it's a $3 trillion industry that no one knows about. And that like, there's no technology for, or very new technology for. Right. Just right. Weird. And then the other thing too, is like, yeah, and then kind of, kind of just stop or to kind of emphasize that, or maybe even ask a question is one of the things I always let nonprofits know, I say, even if you're not getting federal grants yet, use the federal categories. <laughs> For your budget because you want to get federal grants at some point in time and then if you already have those categories set up the personnel fringe benefit travel etc right like there's broad categories it's so much easier 
to even, you know, even if you have to develop your own budgets, like use that system now. So you have something, would you, is that something you would kind of echo? Yeah. So the way that I look at like actual account setup, mm -hmm. because so the other problem is if you're dealing with tax filing, you're probably not gonna have to file a full 990 for a while. Right. So do you set up your books for a full 990? when you're very far from the $250,000 threshold or not. And so that that's another thing. So like what I finally went toward was okay. Like if you think of the buckets of like of expense accounts, you have admin type expenses, yep. personnel, operating, program and fundraising. Mm -hmm. And if you split everything into those sections, you can collapse them and very easily say, okay, as I get you know, from, you know, just the e-postcard all the way up to the full 990, I know my fundraising expenses. I can look at my fundraising income on the income side of the PL. I've got that set. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking at operating, that's my overhead. And then I've got my personnel. It's really easy to pull out fringe benefits and things like that. Yeah. Personnel plus operating is overhead. Mm -hmm. Easy. And then you have your program expenses and that's what you're looking at in terms of, you know, like, what are we doing? So even sort of like the, the functional expense report that you eventually have to do for, for higher levels of reporting, you can very easily sort of tease that out from that kind of setup. So that's what I typically do. Plus you can collapse them into just like those major categories. And that makes sense to a board, like yeah. even a very uninvolved board, they can look at that, especially because so many boards have for-profit executives yeah. that they understand that setup. They can look at it really quickly and say, okay, this is overhead versus program versus fundraising. This makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so that's the setup I really recommend. And then, you know, you can have tons of sub expense accounts underneath yeah. that, that adhere to, you know, the, the federal budget categories and things like that. But it's always this balance of what do we need to know versus what do we need to report? And, and how do we make yes. it clear for everyone and not drill down so far, but drill down far enough that everything makes sense. I love that. Yeah, because I love that. What do we need to know? <laughs> what do we need to know? And that that's where there's that whole, I mean, that's the whole premise of why the QuickBooks doesn't necessarily work, right? Because of that. So it's like when you want to integrate it. So I love that, you know, looking at how do we really set this up and make, let's make it simple. Let's do our huge, our, our big budget with these four main categories. And then we can funnel programs underneath that, right? Like underneath their own budgets for grants are very specific, but make it the organization simple with the four buckets. I love that. And then looking at like, you know, um, when, so kind of like to kind of pull back a little bit when a lot of nonprofits, you know, they want to know like, when do I need to hire an accountant? Is hiring an accounting firm maybe a better step, you know, and then, you know, kind of like, or do I just need a bookkeeper? Like, how do you kind of, um, you know, how, how do you see nonprofits operating where it really works well for them? A tough question. I mean, I'm a little biased. I'm like, hire an individual for sure. Um, no, I think what it really comes down to is what is their experience? Like, first of all, what do you need? Do you need someone to just like enter transactions? But to be perfectly honest, if you have an internal person who has the time, which I know is at a premium in a nonprofit, but if they have the time to just enter transactions, that's always good to do because an external person has no idea what's actually going on in the day-to-day. 
Like mm -hmm. you can explain it to them, but even like with clients now that I've worked with for years, I'm like, what is this? Like this, the, I, I have, I've never seen a transaction like this in the four years that I've worked with you. Like, I just don't know. And there's no way for me to have the depth of information that right. people inside the organization. And then they're like, oh no, those are the cookies we bought for the, uh, to give end of year sponsors, right. whatever. And you're like, what are these cookies for? Right. Of Stuff course. like that. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what I would have guessed. Like, <laughs> I, okay. Um, like are these fundraise, like what it cookies mm -hmm. could literally be anything. Did you give yeah. them out to clients? Like, what are these? Um, and so that prevents that back and forth of like, so what is this? So what is this? Because I've had clients where it's like, okay, um, I need you to go through and, and go ahead and categorize everything. And they're like, but you do that. I'm like, but I, I don't, because I literally don't know what these expenses are. Um, so that's, that's one big thing is if you can do that internally, that's so much better. The stuff to, to do externally is like monthly reconciliations, have a different set of eyes that is not internal. It accomplishes lots of different goals. One, it's a check on the people internally. Not saying like, uh, not saying that they need to be checked for like, you know, theft or anything like, oh, like that. Although that I mean, it's rare, yeah. but yeah. it does happen, but yeah. it's not mm -hmm. that common. Mm -hmm. But more so that like having another person just be like, something's off here. And because I'm not internal, like I've taken a step back. I'm not confused by the details. I'm literally just looking at money in, money out. Yeah. Um, so that's really helpful to have someone do that. And then just basic things like, you, you know, your, your overhead expenses are just exploding. What is going on? Is there something that you were billed for twice? Is something in like the totally wrong expense bucket? Um, you, you know, your fundraising costs are, are booming or your income is like to, to get that like zoomed out high level sort of major cash flow stuff taken care of. Um, and that also goes into like cash flow planning because nonprofits are all over the place. You just, you never know. So being able to work with someone to sort of predict. And the nice thing about working with an external person is they have other clients. So they see these trends that you may not see as someone who's just in a single organization. And they might have other ways of displaying data or thinking about financial information that you may not have thought of. So like, that's the one big benefit that I see of working with anyone outside of your own organization. In terms of whether to work with like a freelancer or um, an agency, it really comes down to cost. A lot of times CPA firms are, are very expensive, uh, like as much as lawyers expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but also sometimes they're very institutional and very like for-profit focused. Right. If you can find one that's nonprofit focused, good for you because it's like finding a unicorn. Um, but they they do exist. Um, they're also not going to like come into your organization and sit down with you most of the time. Yeah. I mean, especially like COVID times. But even before that, mm -hmm. you're going to talk to them at a distance. Yeah. Um, like I have some clients where like I would go in every week and sit there for an hour and meet with the executive director or like go to a board meeting and explain things. Um, individuals are just a little bit more free to do that. Right. They're not charging you for an hour to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot, it depends on how big your organization is. It depends on what your goals are. It depends on how much money you have. Yeah. Um, there's so much that, that goes into it, but I've had clients with budgets of $50,000 a year up to clients with a budget of, you know, $5 million a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, it just, the services that I provide just vary based on what they need. 
Right, right. And then just to kind of ask on that too, because I know you said it depends on your size as well, like that internal person. So like, let's just take the example. There's small, lots of small nonprofits up there, right? There, and um, They have maybe an executive director or part-time executive director, and they're doing all the entering of the transactions. Could their external person be the treasurer on the board that's overseeing that? Or do you mean external, again, removed from the organization, like, you know, kind of do a two-set two-step move <laughs> yeah so I mean definitely the treasurer that's the purpose as well to oversee yeah. but should there also be so you get into you want sort of three roles you want a treasurer you want sort of an auditor and you want someone entering data the reason being that that treasurer has that fiduciary duty to the organization and mm-hmm. if something goes sideways and this person is now responsible and they're also your CPA who has been you know, reconciling and auditing and things that gets messy. Yeah. They also like the treasurer usually has bank account access, which is something your CPA should not have. And the person writing the checks should not have, like you definitely want someone who can write checks, but can't transfer money to themselves or to someone else or, you know, whatever. And so having those sort of three roles is really helpful. It can be a board member, but a non-treasurer board member who has very different access. It's hard when you have a small nonprofit where one person does everything. And that's why it's like, there needs to be some additional set of eyes. Even if it's a volunteer that just does the reconciliation, Mm -hmm. like having another person, if anything were to go sideways down the road, it's just better to be like, there was another set of eyes, you know, like it's not all my fault or something like, you know, no one caught this because things always happen when it comes to, to money and, you know, like being short staffed. And I'm not saying they're bad. Like sometimes something just like pennies just get overlooked and you're like, where, where did this go? Right. Um, so yeah, just, just having someone else. I like that because yeah, it's definitely, it's, it doesn't, you know, even if you have a volunteer, like you said, looking it over and you're like, okay, well that person's not like financially responsible for it, but if things do get sideways or questions do get kind of asked in the future, there is that goodwill that at least you were trying and you were setting up yeah. systems and that goes a long way. And another thing with all of what you've just been talking about, which is key. And you guys who are listening or watching this, like get this down, write down those three steps, the internal treasurer and auditor, because that's a lot in the financial capabilities is in the sections of grants, what they're asking you for. They want to know how you run, how you watch your money, how you manage your money. Those are the types of questions they really want to get to the heart of, right? That's really what they're asking you. Like, how are you using checks and balances to make sure you manage the money that we're going to give you and that it's going to go to the program that we want to see funded, you know, that you say you're going to run? How is that going to be managed? Because, and not to say that you're nefarious or anything like that, but they just want to know because they know there's human error. They know things can happen, right? So set those systems up. So this is a perfect system to write into that grant. <laughs> so. yeah, absolutely. Did you want to speak any more on that for people who may be writing grants and they're at that financial capability section or, you know, policies and procedures, and they've got to hand those in with the grant for their financial policies. Like, can you speak any more on those? I think the thing to keep in mind is like, if you were the federal government taking taxpayer dollars and giving them to you and they've never met you, they've never seen you. They literally only know what's on paper. Yeah. That's it. What would you need to tell them to convince them? Like, you need to assure them that it's not just you, you know, writing the grant and spending the money and reporting on the money and depositing checks in the bank and writing checks from the bank. Like that's scary. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Is there like, 
any proof that you have sort of professionalized your organization goes so far because in a world that's dominated by for profits, nonprofits have to operate in that sort of like professionalized financial environment, even though for a lot of reasons, it's hard to actually do that day to day, but they have to at least have things set up to communicate with a government agency that is used to extra checks and balances. So that's like, just put yourself in the mindset of someone who operates in the federal government surrounded by red tape and bureaucracy. What do you need to say to convince them? I love that. That's such a good example. Uh, yeah, because it is. It's like you and, you know, the thing is, is looking at a nonprofit, a lot of the nonprofits are like fluffy and this and that. But the truth of the matter is, right, they're businesses. They're just nonprofit businesses. They are a business. So you need to operate like a business. So it is important to get the advice of people, any business you would open. You would want to talk to a CPA. You would want to talk to a lawyer. You would want to talk to professionals and make sure you have all of your T's crossed and your I's dotted, right? Right? You would, right. so just like that, it's not just like, we're going to love the world and just open up and have a cute little name. No, it's like, it is a business. Right? So, yeah. And I think, I think it's even more important to prove that because if I'm buying something from Target, I don't really care where they're putting their money. Like they're providing a product. I buy it or don't buy it. I don't care what their profit margin is. I don't care how much money they're making. I just, I don't, I need the item. I buy the item. That's right. the extent of how much I care. Um, with a nonprofit, it's like, I donated that money to you and it went to a CEO salary and that's it. Like, yeah, yeah, you need to pay your people, but like you, you did nothing. If, if 70 cents of every dollar I'm donating is going to something other than, you know, services, why am I giving it to you? Right. And so I think just being able to say, yeah, we care about, you know, our mission and our vision, but this is how we do it. And we're doing it responsibly responsibly and effectively. And like, I think that efficiency is the thing that's sort of coming out of the for-profit sector and into the nonprofit sector. Like you cannot waste money. Mm -hmm. You have like, especially in an environment where you never have enough. And so really being able to say that, like to actually score your efficiency, to have some metrics that Mm -hmm. says like, this is how we're doing relative to ourselves a couple of years ago, relative to other organizations in our area, relative to similar organizations around the country, like we are efficient and we know why. That goes a super long way with the federal government because they do see that data across organ- like similar organizations across the country. Oh, I love that. I love the comparison as well. That's really good. And because it is, it's like, you don't really, do nonprofits really know how they're doing? They know they can pay their bills. Like, but what does that mean when you look at it in comparison is, are you really efficient? Are you really bringing in the funds? So to really have that scope on is super important. And like you said, it's like nonprofits with their financial um, responsibilities, it's actually more so than a, than a for-profit, definitely. There's more eyes on it, but for some reason, it, there's like, oh, we don't have really money to cover that portion of it, that financial portion. That's the most important part as far as when you're dealing with grants, right? So of course, running the programs, yes, guys, that's super important too. But what is going to be weighed heavily is in grants and in just different perceptions and credibility and all of that is how you manage the money, right? And how you, how transparent you are with that as well. Yeah. And that honestly is, is why I started Atlas, our grant management software company, because grant management costs an average of 20% of the grant funds because of what you just said. There's so much that goes into managing the grant, but it is unbelievably expensive of all of like the external services that you pay for. 
accounting and like audits and things like that are insanely expensive. Those accounting fees just add up. And whether it's being managed internally, like by a bookkeeper or whatever, it literally adds up to an average of 20% of your grant funds, Mm -hmm. which is insane. Um, And you end up getting to a point where you're applying for grants just to pay for the like, you know, total admin cost of all your grants. Like you end up, if you look at it in raw terms, a hundred thousand dollar grant is just going to admin. Like what? And so that's when it becomes really hard to say if you're efficient or not, because what you have a spreadsheet uh, or a QuickBooks, which we've already talked about, doesn't work well for grant management. And you're, you're trying to do good and you're being stymied at every turn, like trying to right. run with 20 pound weights around your ankles. Right. Yeah. So, and speaking of, so Atlas, that is your software company to really integrate kind of what we were talking about today, those different components of pleasing those three different people, right? <laughs> those three different entities. Um, and then to make sure that both sides get what they want, right. And they can right. use the data in the same way. And I think that creating that system is so important. Like we were talking about, you know, if, if this nonprofit, they utilize QuickBooks this way, this one does it this way, this one, the treasurer does it this way, but the executive director looks at it from this, there's no system. Like it's right. software, but it's not a system. So I think at we're, we're hearing about Atlas. It's more, there's a system integrated you know, within that. So it's like, it's a very interesting way to say, okay, this is how we can have a system that talks to all these parties. So can you kind of talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. So one of the, one of the things that really made me nervous when I thought of like, Hey, I need to pull the trigger on this and like, look at building some software is that exact problem. Every organization does this differently. Mm-hmm. Every industry does this differently. Every organization inside those industries does it differently. How, like, it's literally like trying to get all the trains on the same train track going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you have to score, you know, like who's doing it best. Like, what does that even mean? What's the best way to do this? Mm-hmm. And so essentially where we started was, okay, like we talked to a ton of organizations and for-profits, nonprofits, startups, you know, all sorts of um, like federal entities, like, what, what do you do? Turns out a grant is a grant is a grant, no matter who's receiving it or who's giving it, which is great for us. Like, that's a very rare use case that never comes up for software companies. So thank you, great industry. <laughs> yeah. um, but really, like, there's a finite number of things that people care about. And it's the financial management, the performance metric management, and the reporting. That's it. And that's what the grant funders care about. Yeah. And so then we started saying, okay, what, what is the nonprofit industry not doing that would be super beneficial? Data. Mm. They don't have a way to collect data efficiently and use it to like score themselves, make predictions. They, they have no way to do data analytics. Like that's a totally foreign concept to most of the nonprofit industry but it's huge in the for-profit industry. And in tech, it's exploding. Data analytics is like the wave of the future. And so with nonprofits mostly getting this data through like self-reported things or through like user surveys that are on paper, like how do you take this data and actually be able to use it? Mm -hmm. And so that was the second thing. (laughs) We sort of put this all together and we're like, okay, where is the information they need? It's in their accounting software. So if we build integrations to accounting software like QuickBooks and pull in all of that transaction data 
that's gotten rid of the whole, I got to export that into a spreadsheet and manipulate it or like, you know, like right. cut and paste little pieces of paper and like figure out where I'm going. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, I mean, I've seen some crazy ways to do grant management. So pull all that data in and inside Atlas, you set up your different grants and grant budgets mm-hmm. with the different line items, the amount of the budget, all of that good stuff. And then when you pull in your transactions, the, the transaction screen looks very much like you would see in QuickBooks or really any other accounting software. Mm-hmm. And then you tag each of them, similar to how you would tag things in QuickBooks, with the corresponding funding and the budget line item. And so what's happening is there's a real-time budget versus actual updating based mm-hmm. on the information you've put in. You have all of your grant documents right in there, like in the onboard document repository. Mm-hmm. You have like all that information that you would need that you would have to access from Google Drive, OneDrive, you know, like all these different places in a single system. We're also, this is not live yet, but we're working on like a, a performance metric, like program metric um, module that basically would allow you to um, create surveys and then like email them, but also collect that data and then run analytics on that data. So you'd have it over wow. time. Um, you know, and you could really like see how your data changes, not only for grant reporting, but also grant writing and just like a general understanding of what in the world you're doing relative to Mm -hmm. how you did last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and then reports like that is a thing that takes so long for everyone. Mm -hmm. So the way we're actually trying to move with this is one one day I was just like, what would a world without grant reports look like? Um, well, it would be pretty darn great. Um, but you know, like, how do we move to that like first of all is that even possible and second of all what would that look like Mm -hmm. and so really we had this idea to basically create two-sided software so in grants you have funders and you have funding recipients but a lot of times your funders are also recipients from you know a higher level funder so if you think of like community foundations they're getting money from the state or the local government and then they're pushing it out to other organizations Mm -hmm. so Funders and funding recipients and organizations that are both can manage incoming and outgoing funding in Atlas. So if I'm a community foundation and I give out $200,000 in, you know, 2022, and I give $20,000 to, you know, the homeless shelter, I set up that grant inside my funder Atlas portal, Mm -hmm. and then it gets pushed to that organization, to that, um, Uh, homeless shelters, Atlas recipient side portal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as that, that organization is, is tagging their transactions and updating that budget versus actual, the funder can see that if we keep pushing in that direction and get people used to, Hey funders, like you're asking a lot of your funding recipients, if you had access to that data, you could just go look at it at the end of the month when you want them to report to you. No more grant reports. That would be, and as like, yeah, which would be pretty darn great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, we're trying to, to, to track grant funding as it sort of works its way up to the federal government because that's where most of it originates from right. or from like large foundations. Mm-hmm. And so as we sort of work our way up there, if we can get large foundations or federal agencies on the platform, then essentially that's the end of grant reporting. Like that's obviously a very long-term view. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... I think nonprofits for a long time, when it comes to tech, have thought way too small. Yeah. And we're like, okay, but what if everything were different? 
what would that look like? Like we function very much like a nonprofit. Like this is our mission statement. This is our vision statement. Our vision is a world without grant rewards. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's the direction we're really trying to head with this. And I, and I think it's possible inside of, you know, 10 years or so. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at it too, um, the federal government, which what can be very frustrating is they do have their own system. So, you know, then people have to get to know that system and they get grants through that. But each federal agency, they're using different components, right? They're, sometimes they're using different systems. Like it's not all a, a unified thing. The only one I really see on a more unified system is WAF, right? With the federal contracting side. And it's like, that's when, you know, you need to learn their system. So it would kind of be the same thing, but more of a unified system, which would be good because, you know, I, I know I was uh, interviewed Voulet before from AF nonprofit, and that was his thing too, was why can't we just have a one page grant application and that can be sent to any foundation, any, you know, like why do we always have to run through the hoops and apply to these different places in different ways? And it's just so tedious. Um, and of course, you know, looking at the opposite side of that, the management side, because it is, it's like all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I have to charge more, you know, like you were talking about that 75% goes to overhead if I'm donating my dollar. Well, I'll, part of that reason is because of the extreme requirements of the funding sources. <laughs> so it does take that 20% for your grant management, this and that, because you have to do all these things. So if you can streamline that, then it does reduce um, the inefficiencies and ineffectiveness and reduce financial cost, right? So Absolutely. yeah, and I, I don't think what you're talking about is out of the picture either, because before COVID, like look at how much has just transpired since COVID as far as innovation and just speed oh, sure. market, like crazy. So yeah, I think that's yeah. great. I think uh, Atlas is wonderful. And uh, just before we close out today, I want I want to also any um, just let you or let you speak, Ansley, about where people can find you and any last words before we close out. Yeah, so um, you can check us out on our website. It is getatlassolutions.com, G-E-T, Atlas Solutions, which is plural, dot com. Um, we are going to be launching at the beginning of 2022, but we do have our pilot program going on right now. We're not accepting more people into the pilot, but we're definitely listening to people like talk about their grant management issues. So if you have a weird grant management issue that's coming out of left field, like we would love to hear about that um, because- sometimes that's very easy to accommodate. Um, and sometimes it's something we haven't thought about that a lot of other people struggle with. Um, also, it's just interesting to hear people's great management stories. They, they're always fun, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, um, that's how you can find us. Um, there's like a little chat bot. You can just say hello. Um, you know, just talk about great management. Cool. And I'll definitely have a link in the show notes. So you guys can definitely look and see what Atlas looks like, as well as, you know, if you have any questions for Ansley, um, you can ask them in that chat box and, and kind of figure out like, how do you do this grant management? We have this issue because I know all the nonprofits out there listening, you guys all have your individual questions because once again, there's, it's not a system. There's not a systematization to this whole process. So, right. So you are going to have those questions on how things are handled. So definitely, I would love to have you back on the show. I think this has been such an amazing podcast episode because like I said, I get so many questions on this and I know we could dive deeper into a lot of these different elements. So I'd love to have you back on, even maybe if you could just bring your, your, uh, your bag of questions that we could even just go over. I think that would be so, you know, we'd answer a lot of questions. Maybe. Yeah, no, I, I love talking about um, nonprofit like financial stuff. And, and there's like, I've gotten some 
funky questions. They're like, I have never thought of that. That's really interesting. Or like this one specific use case, like what do I do with this random transaction? Like there's a right way to do it. Like let's figure it out. Um, that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be so much fun. Bring, bring your bag of tricks. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, for well, sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Once again, we'll definitely put all of the links in the show notes so people can reach out to you, um, see what you're doing. And yeah, thank you so much again um, for all of the valuable information that you've provided today. So exciting. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast today. I hope you enjoyed this amazing episode with Ansley Fender. But once again, for all of the show notes, go ahead and jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 206. And if you love this podcast, please do subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes as it helps other people find the podcast. And we also love getting feedback. All right, guys, I will see you next week as we have another amazing show coming at you.